Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, but didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Podcast 115 coming in three, two, one, go. That's what Bleep just said. And I, and actually, just so you guys know, he never introduces us that way on what number it is. So that's pretty exciting. We're at 115. But thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Um, is that too loud? Is it good? It's pretty yeah. loud, Brian. I can turn you down. No, no. We'll turn it down in his ear. I, I just want to make sure. Uh, I try to do that with a little enthusiasm, and I try to do it so it, everybody doesn't think, does you're that missing, just can't You're no, missing no, my you're action fine. thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Action. action. You're fine. No, no, no. So anyway, I, I well, like the enthusiasm. Good. I, I love that. Well, welcome <laughs> to the Bone Cave. Uh, I'm Brian Maiman, and I am happy to have you here. There's three of us today. Uh, bleep to my left, as always, and hashtag 393. As I move to his bull and look at it every week, it's actually a great reference because I like looking at the bull, and it reminds me of passing him in the morning and shooting me in the afternoon every single week. And I know our listeners have heard of about it, but then when people come in here, because last week we had the I don't uh, like to kill stuff right before here. the heat of the day. Yeah, that's not why you passed him. <laughs> I like I, I I love your um your. Uh, justification Cooler at night <laughs> so the, the legend grows the story grows it's, as we go it, it, every every week it just grows it gets better and better uh, but anyway we're excited uh we are going to talk today about um how to uh um uh how to be a good guided hunter today's topic how to be a good guided hunter and i i think it's i think it's really really important for us to go over this now, now do you mean how to be a good guide as a hunter or how to be a good guided pers- hunter. person you, who is guided by another so person? if you if a you good have, guided yep. hunter if you have so a hunter, hunter that's guided just no to, yeah. really good so yeah. this, this came in a, this basically was a three-part question in a well, yeah, social media we did get a social yeah. media question on it and it was um it's it a was really a good reference, question and we were tagged and it was a really good question and i think that we just came off of and, and from our from my perspective anyway we just came off of a weekend where we we went on a vetting excursion and we will not offer the hunt that we went we alleged went to vet does that make sense and we have to do a better job when we go to because sometimes i think we're an experiment when we come to do things we've done a few we've been a few experiments haven't we yeah and 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 even then we try not to be a bad guided hunter right even though we can see it and and we've spent i mean i don't know somebody asked me one time you think you spent a hundred thousand on hunting <laughs> and and i'm like um yeah um the better question not and i shouldn't say a better question because i don't want to come off pretentious in any way shape or form but one of the biggest expenses in building this company rolling bones outdoors has been two parts software number one Correct. And number two, a hunting adventure catalog. Going on all these hunts and paying for them. People think we take free hunts by outfitters. We don't take free hunts. 
We buy hunts. Now, there's 900 of them, but you have not been on all 900. I think we're actually, we're over 1,000. We only might not, we only might, we might only have 900 1, on things, but we are over 1,000. But you, you're correct. I have not, we've not been on all 1,000 of them, but we're vetting to understand every market we're in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this last weekend, you guys were out potential, uh, vetting a potential Yes. Adventure. New new adventure and yeah. new outfitter. Yeah. And I would tell you this. He checked the box for outfitter and he checked the box for guide. Um, this particular hunt is going to be hard because of the area he's in. What he needs to do to heighten the number of shot opportunities, he can't do because he's restricted by the territory he's in. And so that will not allow us to it's, it's, have it as a paid hunt. We have too many better opportunities yeah 100 percent. we can't sell it yeah. because there's just better opportunities and 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 we have to be honest with him and but now elk and deer holy smokes um he's covered up he's a great guy he's a great outfitter he's great with his livestock uh he runs uh you he's know professional rodeo cowboys so yep dude he's really good with his livestock yeah. yep. and he has great animals i mean brad and i put 30 miles on our asses in horses in two days um, seeing everything we could see, and we probably walked another seven to eight miles a day. So we probably had fourteen to fifteen miles on our feet in yeah. two days. It's a ton of country. And I sh- two two and a half days. Two and a half days. That's yeah. it would be a lie to say two days. Yeah, two yeah. and a half days. Wow. So anyway, so today is how to be a better guided hunter, or how to be a better hunter with a guide or for a guide. How to make the most of your experience. How to have a higher okay. success rate. Yeah. How to, uh, yeah, how to make it more memorable. Yep. Uh-huh. I would say those, are, those would be things that I would think about. And, and we've touched on some of this before. We actually have, now that you bring that up. Yes. If you want to look at episode 43, we talked about etiquette on a guided hunt. Okay, and so that, 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 I'm glad you referenced that because we have talked about some of this, but we've never been very uh, as poignant as we will be today with this. Does that make sense? Exactly. So Brad says, there's, there's a couple things that Brad says that I think he should expand on right now as we get into this. Um, he said, uh, Scott Palmer always said to him, hey, Brad, when you started, because Brad, Brad's kind of an anomaly for our audience listening because he grew up in Spearfish, South Dakota, nine miles from the Wyoming border. Uh, as the crow flies, 21 miles from the, 30 miles from the Montana border. Yep. But um, by driving, you know, it's still only 35 minutes. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I w- yeah, I, was, I wasn't keen to the idea of guided hunts. I was like, I got... I, I'm, I do this well, myself. You had yeah. your points. You had your own yeah. horse. I had my own. You, yeah. You know, you had your own everything, right? Yep. So you, you did. You did every the big three that people come out here for: antelope, elk, and deer, yeah. <laughs> mule deer. You did on your own, lived with since you've yep. been a young man. So you were yep. Mister DIY. I was. I, yeah. Yep. yep. And in, I, in an era where DIY was super accessible. Yep. And and my buddy Scott wanted to. He called me and said, "Hey, let's go do this." Guided hunt, and I was like, mm, I don't do guided. Who, who, who? In, mm. in just so that our audience knows, Scott Palmer and you went to dental school together. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And and Scott is in, uh, um, and he's he's in 
incredible shape and not the shape of a pear. And Scott was a DIY type um, hunter also. I mean, he, right. he, he he liked to do it himself. Well, he had lived His in Alaska gun, before yep. he went to dental school. Super adventurous. Oh, you know, wow. he, that pinhead doesn't want to be on here, but we should get him on here to tell his story. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm going to call him right after this, even though he's your buddy. I'm going to tell him he's a jack wagon if he doesn't. So we should just take a vote right now. Who thinks Scott Palmer should be on I, I our, do. I, I do. Believe I, so he would, he would go out. He would go out in Alaska on these DIY. He caribou needs to tell hunts. the boat yeah. story where boat he story. sunk the damn boat in the fishing <laughs> game. Came, he almost died. I mean, this this this, so, this crazy bastard. He and he still goes today. Uh, like he books some of our craziest, wildest adventures and just goes. Should we you know tell the story about the boat though? I think I, I don't know if it can wait. Now. No, we got to wait till he comes <laughs> on, and we'll tell him our audience is waiting for the boat story. Because he's gonna, he's running right now. He's probably on a treadmill. But his comment, <laughs> running like crazy. No, he'll going. be he'll be outside. It's it's June now. Um, yeah. Oh, he'll be outside. Yeah, running by the time this so, goes. So okay. he told me because I was like, no, I don't do that. I, I let's just yeah. So it. explain that. Check your head at the brain. And he goes, check and, your brain. And his all. comment was, "Oh, Brett, because he'd done some guided hunts and I, ne- I never had." He said, "You don't have to check your brain at the door when you do a, an outfitted hunt. You can still be who you are." And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I'll try it then. Yeah, but what I didn't realize at the time, because I had pretty good access. So, so let me, can I, can I yeah. time out for you? Break down why you thought, from your perspective, before you started doing guide hunts, yeah. why did you think that way, that you were going to have to be just this dumbass drag-along buddy that wasn't a hunter? Yeah. My, what would give you that perspective? Well, I, I, I'd never really looked at it before. I was able to, you know, I'd... The, the, I'd been strategizing and planning my way to get the tags that I wanted to do and needed to do later in life. But at that point, I could go elk hunt, deer hunt, antelope hunt. All the, I, I mean, all of my friends and I, we just, elk was our thing. That was the most important thing. And, you know, deer, obviously, we had ample, we had a lot of access to deer. We didn't, so we we never needed a guide or an outfitter for anything. We had plenty of hunts. We had as much as we could handle with all the do-it-yourself, you know, between South Dakota, Wyoming, um, Nebraska. Okay, uh, so but that led yeah. you to – I'm going to keep yep. you on track here. That led you to thinking what about guided hunts? That somebody was participating – that they were doing something that you were supposed to be doing. And uh, what I didn't realize was the access – and the more I did with my horses, too, it became abundantly. Every time we went someone, somewhere with our horses, first of all, we'd pick units. If we did New Mexico, we'd try to do northern, northern New Mexico or something because we, it was easier to get our horses there. But we never had enough of our own stock either. I mean, there were just, you know, some of the, just the logistics involved. I didn't understand all that they would help with. I thought they were, it was kind of like a guaranteed hunt. You know, and that's nothing is farther from the truth. It's not a guaranteed. It's not a this. It's not a that. So they help with access. Some places, you know, if you did an outfitted hunt, you can hunt where you couldn't normally hunt because, okay, for instance, Montana. Montana is great for archery elk. Once you hit, once you hit November, you know, the season starts like a five or six week season. There, a lot of that private land the elk get pushed into the private so you can get access to or through some of the stuff. But anyway, I, I thought it was, I thought it was taking a shortcut or something initially. Um, 
and I just had never done it, never looked into it. And so I was like, yeah, I'd rather not. Let's just, let's just draw the tag and go do it. I can't even remember what we were going to, oh, we were doing a New Mexico hunt. But that was uh, a New Mexico deer hunt. And I was like, well, why would we get a, why would we hire a guide? And his comment, you don't check your door at the, or you don't check your brain at the door just because you're doing an outfitted hunt. And I was like, thought about it. And I did a little research and I was like, yeah, that looks like a good opportunity. That also was my first surprise. Because remember, I always say, (laughs) I don't want surprises. Mm -hmm. That didn't go as planned. Okay. so I didn't have anybody vetting it for me. And I, and I got some, you know, we did the best we could do. That was, I would assume that was pre internet, you know, we weren't using a ton of internet and it wasn't like you had a phone with, uh, you know, a little computer that you walked around with your hand that sometimes you could make a call on too, you know? So, so it wasn't a matter of like, you know, I don't need a guy. I mean, I can hunt. I know what to do. Why do I, why do I pay for a A little bit of that? That's probably what he was thinking. He's like, yeah. Or or a guide was going to say, go here, do this, do that, do now, take the shot. There we go. Yep. And you don't have, you don't have to think about it. It wasn't like that at all. No, it wasn't. I mean, it is what you make it. When I do a guided hunt, I look at it as I'm going on a do-it-yourself hunt and I have some, somebody, another person with me. Well, I think that's the best way to prep your oh, brain that's a good idea. is that when you, when you go on these hunts, what you don't want to do um, is go in there and go, okay, um, I'm going to be just a tag along and this guy's going to take me up the mountain and show me where to shoot something and then how to get to it. What you want to do is go, listen, I'm going into this. So in preparation for a guided hunt, I would say there's three things. And by the way, um, my story was that I didn't have that access. I went on my first guided hunt at 21 years old, just out of college, just Mm -hmm. out of college. And it was to Saskatchewan um, with uh, a guy by the name of his, him and his wife, his name was Gary and Deb. And I actually amputated the leg of an, uh, a, uh, um, a rabbit, Lamb. a bunny, a bunny rabbit on the trip, but we'll talk about that later. Some other podcast, um, the most peculiar things that have ever happened on a hunting trip. But anyway, um, Brad, uh, or a, a, I went on a bear hunt with my bow to northern Saskatchewan, and I, at the time of my life, I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And I was living in northern Wisconsin at the time, but at that time, it was three to five years to get a black bear tag. And I was like, well, I don't want to wait three to five years. I really want to kill a black bear. And a buddy said, hey, we should go do this. And he knew an outfitter. And so we went up there. And he met the outfitter at the Eau Claire Sportsman Show um, because that's how we used to meet outfitters before the Internet was outdoor shows. The outdoor show was where, where all the hunters went to find their hunting resources. And then the second one I went on was, was a year later on a caribou hunt to the Angava Territory uh, northern uh, Quebec, um, and uh, um, that was uh, archery and rifle. You could take either one, and that was a semi-guided. So what that meant was you got dropped off in a camp, and there was a guide there to take care of you, but there was eight guys in that camp. Um, there was four guys to a, uh, um, a bunkhouse. So anyway, but in preparation, I would say there's a few things and maybe I should give my top three and you should give your top three. Okay. Um, but number one, I would say I would use a resource like ourselves, um, these Western hunting magazines, got good content in them. Um, the Internet I would be careful of um, unless, and I would be careful of forums because there's a lot of opinions 
on forums. And what I found out about forums is, is there's these keyboard warriors that like to bitch about everything. And they can be half the problem. We know that from booking for multiple types of different personalities. And so I'd be careful about those type of resources. But I think some of these publications vet their information well, these Western mm -hmm. hunting uh, um, magazines. And I'm not going to mention their name on here um, because I, I honestly don't want to advertise for them, just to be quite frank. Um, but I think some of them are good. You can use your own judgment, but I would get them. Yeah, and if that's your jam, if you like doing a bunch of research and stuff, some people do. Some, but some I would people, say people yeah. should. If you're going to spend five to seven thousand, I'd say they should. The other thing is, is we're a resource. Um, our outfitters are vetted. If you aren't using one of our outfitters, we're okay with that. We can get you a gear list. We can tell you what you want to do. But number one, I would do some research on your animal. Okay. Number two, um, I would look at what you physically need to get prepared to do that hunt. Are you going out of Cody, Wyoming? Or are you going out of Craig, Colorado? Or are you going out of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, southeastern or southwestern um, or southern Arizona? Those are different altitudes, different uh, ecosystems, and different weather environments that you will need different preparation for, period. Um, and so I would look at what the physical demand is going to be on yourself. And then the last thing I would do is I would look at um, and get prepared for the remoteness of it, okay? Most people I see when they go do a big adventure and go be want to be a guided hunter, they don't prepare for the remoteness of it if they're doing an Alaska, a BC, a Yukon, even a – uh, a Wyoming thoroughfare or one of these drainages that are, you know, 18 miles back in, 17 miles back in, this is not your, th th you're not a minute from Starbucks. What does that look like when you come across somebody that's not prepared for the remoteness? Scared, shitless, yeah. ready to go home. And I call it claustrophobic because what happens is, and, and people go, well, how can we be claustrophobic when you're in the middle of nowhere? Because the middle of nowhere comes it's pressing kind of, it's, down it's on It's kind of the, uh, the feeling of impending doom. Oh, wow. It's the remoteness. And we see it a lot, Yeah, especially in Alaska-type stuff. I have fought in it personally. You've fought in it personally. We're all like, holy shit, we're, we're ways back in here. you got to get into the groove that, listen, it's one foot after another. It doesn't matter if it's midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning tomorrow you're going to get back listen you you're going to stay alive you just can't get in a hurry and panic it, and some of it depends on the duration like uh right you know 10 days is a great duration 14 days gets long more than 14 days like when the russia trip you guys pushed it to three weeks 21 days and and i had little kids and yeah. i was like that's that's going to be it's, too long for me i, I can't do it, it 21 seems days. like though might be a, a bit of a personality thing i mean like yeah. you know when i was young in college and right out of college i spent a fair amount of time in in wilderness areas for two weeks at a time i don't ever remember feeling that i mean way way away from were you everything. with a group of people uh, a couple of times yes yes okay and i think i think the group helps but what, where, where a lot of this happens is, okay, you fly into the Alaska range, you get dropped off, and see, and, and I've not been in Alaska, right? Well, but you're in. Let's say you're in the spike, or you're in the uh, um, base camp. You're in main camp. Yeah. Four or five wall tents, cook shanty, and um, there's a community there. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. And and you're, you're just as remote as you're going to be in a day when they take and drop you off in another location. You're not going to be any more remoter. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? But right, right. No, but I get that. Here's what's with your mind, okay, is that you get dropped off and that bush plane flies off and there's no community around you. Mm -hmm. It's you and your guide and you have 10 more days and um, you're looking in the spotting scope and impending doom, grizzly bears, doll sheep, moose. You, you got to mm -hmm. recognize what your limitations are. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I don't mind being just totally it going on a total do it yourself for a certain amount of time. But I also like company, you know, 10 days on a total solo. I'm all alone. You, you, it, there's uh, there's it gets to be a point where it gets lonely. So how do you prepare for that? Well, that's what I was going to say. My point is not what it just necessarily is, but you got to get your mind around understanding um, what you're going to do. Do some research on that species um, so you understand the animal. Okay, get your mindset that that is what you want to achieve if you're doing one of these bigger guided hunts. Now, there's a couple levels of guided hunts because I think we need to talk also today on this podcast. Um, there's a difference between going and being a good guided hunter in a whitetail camp in Alaska for a five-day second season rifle hunt than there is from being – um, a whitetail camp in Alaska, did you say? Uh, uh, Nebraska. 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 There you go. Okay. okay. Now, now said, I'm with you. I'm tracking said, with you. If I said From Alaska <laughs> to Nebraska. If I said Alaska as a, as a slip, I meant okay. Nebraska. Okay. Now, that makes sense. So, so, you know, there's some difference. But my point is this. Prepare yourself for the animal and what you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to kill an elk, and I want to do a horseback wilderness hunt out of Cody, Wyoming, or out of uh, um, Jackson, Wyoming, and I'm going back up into this place 15, 20 miles, and I'm going to be there for seven days, you're going to be at, four, at eight to 12,000 feet. Your body's going to need adjustment if you're from Waverly, Iowa, oh, yeah. living at 700 feet. Because you know. your altitude, first four days, you're not going to be able to catch your breath, which is not going to give your legs any oxygen. You're going to be screwed. So, okay, know that. Get physically uh, here's the thing we hear about three things we hear from outfitters. You want to know what it takes to be a good guided hunter? Okay. Number one, okay, physically they can't keep up. The hunters can't keep up. Number two, and then I want to go back to what my point was, okay? Then number two, okay, is I can't make that shot. And then number three, I can't find the animal. Target acquisition. Target acquisition, can't make the shot. Physically can't get to the animal. That does make sense. You have freaking limited yourself on a hunt you just spent 7000 bucks for because you can't get to the animal, you can't make the shot at the animal, you can't even find the damn okay. thing in your scope. Does and that, that make sense? Those, those totally makes sense. Perfect, perfect point. I get that. Yes. So my point to the three things, understanding what you're going for, getting the right physical condition, and understand the remoteness of each of those locations because you want to build the proper gear list because gear is everything for you. Having the right gear, it, it will settle you in, okay? And part. So, so, but going back to this, you know, I mean, I mean, I get it. I get it. You, you go to shooting school, you learn target acquisition, you learn, no, you know, all of that. You don't learn target acquisition at a shooting school. You learn target acquisition 
after you figure out how to acquire it, <laughs> then it's just practice. You you have to just do it and do it but and I, do I, it. I don't want to be argumentative, okay. but I would okay. say you get practice at target get, acquisition at yep. a shooting school. But I don't think you I guess leave, it depends on the format of school. I don't think you leave a three-day shooting school. Well, you're not going to get all you need. No, 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 no. But I mean, but then, but it's still going back to this isolation thing. What, do you, what to prepare for that? Do you like hide yourself in a closet with the light off for like no, I think you, half a day at a time? I think what you got to do is visually. I personally think that that YouTube is the best training tool in the marketplace because you can go get yourself. YouTube is a search engine. You've said right. that a million oh, yeah. times. So let's say I'm going to go on an elk hunt, and I'm going to go in Wyoming, Wyoming remote elk hunting. Go put that into that search engine on YouTube. You're going to get an endless amount of elk hunts. Watch the guy's attitude. See the remoteness. See how they came out of it. Start programming your mind that you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. Yeah. You're going to make it. For me, I think it's like the more that you understand what you're getting into, Mm -hmm. you understand the gear that you've got, you understand the terrain that you're in, you understand, um, you know, I'm going to be able to, to make food to eat. You know, I'm going to be able to get out of a jam. I know what to do when a bear comes or whatever. And you prepare your mind that way. I think, to me, that would say that's how to get yourself ready. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's where I come up with the research. Research your hunt. You know, use tools like YouTube, some of these Western uh, hunting. uh, I mean, just go out there and research it. You know what I'm saying? Get your mind around what you're going to go do. Yep. You just spent five to eight thousand, or fifteen thousand, or so maybe more on it. You know, and maybe that's a chunk of money. Twenty five hundred. I mean, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter right? Doesn't matter. Well, my list would be very similar to your list. Mine would start with have a positive or the right mental attitude. Because I, you you don't show up and expect somebody to do everything for you. If if you want to be a good, if you want to be a good guided client. My my thought is is to show up with the anticipation that I'm doing this by myself, but I got a buddy that I'm going to share it with, and I haven't met my buddy yet, <laughs> or maybe I have, maybe I've hunted with him. And before. that's your guide. Yeah, my guide's my guide's going to be my buddy. Um, he's my companionship on the mountain and or whatever. Um, he might. I like that. You know it's what cool. I'm saying? Yep. That's my first. That's that's basically my first thought, and I always go in with the same thing. And then the other two. I, I never go in. I've been in phenomenal shape, and it's never like I went in and I was like, ah, I wasted a lot of time being in too good a shape. Now, as you get older it's and, and your time is consumed more, it's harder to be in great shape. But at least be ready for the hunt physically that you're going to do. Um, you know, for some people, uh, you know, like Grand Island, Nebraska, I think is 400 feet or something in elevation. You know, I don't know what Waverly, Iowa is, but I bet it's pretty Seven, low. Seven, eight, nine hundred feet. Um, you know, when you, when you show up, uh, you, you can't, you can't duplicate that if you're from Waverly, Iowa, Grand Island, Wichita, Kansas, wherever, um, you know, New York, my butt, you Bre- can't, Brett Miller would say he could, well, you, <laughs> you, you can't duplicate that, but what you can do is be in, you know, prepare yourself physically as best you can. You know, Scott works out twice a day in in Wichita, Kansas. He's what always. I, what did I tell you was at 900? 900. 912. 912. I've I'm close enough. But You're way off. Physically, way off. be physically ready. <laughs> yep. Um, and third, uh, with whatever weapon you're going to, you know, you usually don't hear this from an archery guy. You know, archery guys take their arrows and they shoot and they shoot and they shoot and they shoot and they shoot. And they shoot. But... You know, a lot of times guys from coming back from east and they'll talk to us. I say, 
go buy seven boxes of ammo, shoot the first five and save the last two for your hunt. Um, and that's at a minimum, I would say. Um, target, target acquisition. You can just practice. When I was a little kid, I practiced um, with an unloaded rifle, putting it up and trying to find a street light. you know, just so I put dry it up. fire. No, I didn't even dry fire it. Oh. I just put it up. Cause oh, I, you were doing target acquisition. Because when yeah. I was a little kid, I remember having trouble finding stuff in the scope when I, I went see. to a scope I when I started that. And I, w- I would go stay at my grandpa's because my dad didn't hunt. But you do want to dry fire. Yeah. Go ahead, dry fire yeah, once yeah. you find it. Boom, yeah. shoot. Yeah, make sure you don't have any bullets in the gun or around you, right? <laughs> Especially if you look but at it. But that's uh, what I did as a little yeah. kid. I remember looking out yep. their window, and that I'd put that 270 up. I'd take his two and put it up. And yeah, my brother and I did that. Yeah. I remember those days. And just, just getting so I – and now you don't – you know, I mean, what we tell people now is get square behind your gun, um, put the point the barrel in the direction – look over the top of the turret, and then go down. Usually you're really close. But it's just repetition. But those so, things will make you a better yep. guided hunter. And it'll make you a better guided hunter because target acquisition. Just like that, looking over your scope, we, you know, looking over the turret or over your scope, line it up and then get down behind it. Taking time to get good at that and spending those hours are going to make you a better guided hunter. We, we, we hear it all the time, three things. Target acquisition can't make the shot physically. Couldn't uh, can uh, continue on. They they, they that's just, what the guides. Yeah, say. that's what guides say. So say you're on a high country mule deer hunt and you're with a guy. Okay, that guide he's done everything. He's got you in. You know you're huffing and puffing, but everything worked out. You rode the horses up. You got into position. Now he says, okay, straight across 472 yards by that big boulder, and your guy can't find it. There's nothing he can do. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard for that guy. He can't step in and, and make you find it. Yeah. And by God, he wants to. I've never <laughs> met a guide. Even shitty guides want you to kill an animal to see if they can get a tip. Well, that's what that, – well, <laughs> well, you know, that was going to be another question I asked because, you know, the guided hunter, you know, might ask himself, you know, what has the guide invested in yeah, right. for my benefit? Right. Yeah. So I would say from that perspective, so many people look at a guide. So Brad's guiding me today, and if I look at Brad going, if you, can, if you get me on a big elk, I'm going to tip you. I think that's the wrong thinking. I think that's okay. wrong. It, it's not okay. if you get me on a big elk. The big elk is a consequence. You know what? You can, the big elks can wander in anywhere. I was watching a Billy Moles uh, show yesterday. They just released on that bear attack that they, they had where the bear jumped on him. And they had a they had a seventeen year old girl shoot the bear in the front shoulder. Didn't get in there. He shot it late going in. Da da da. But on that hunt, the dad, the the, the the father of the seventeen year old waited till the last day the plane was coming in. And you know what walked into the you know what walked into the uh, um, uh, into the uh, scene the scope of being able to be shot a seventy inch moose. The guy who brought his daughter, the high profile executive business guy. Didn't want to shoot anything less than 65. He was looking for 65 and older. Hunted 13 days with his daughter. His daughter got a 65-inch moose. His daughter killed a grizzly bear. They, they, they couldn't get ahead on a nine, legitimate nine-foot grizzly bear. Now, mind you, this is grizzly bear. This is in, in the uh, um, uh, Brooks, range. Brooks Range. So then – I assume. Um, it was – um, you, you're good at finishing those. You, Sorry, you know, no, no, you're okay. <laughs> well, I, know, I just you're, know you're where Billy Mills yeah. is. No. is at. yeah. So, so <laughs> then, so the guy goes until the end, okay. 
and the moose walks in while the Super Cubs coming to pick him up 70 inches. Wow. They can't shoot it. And they sat there and showed it. It would have been a perfect moose to shoot. It was all wore down, had no body fat, old broken down leg. It was limping like crazy. Giant, giant book animal, book moose walks in. Well, because that guy didn't produce that moose on the 10th day, the 11th day, the 12th day, the 13th, you think the guide wanted to wait till the 14th day when you were flying out? No. Does, should his tip be uh, influenced on that? Oh, yeah, that was the other thing, tip etiquette. Should his tip be influenced on that? M- mine's no. The outfitter did everything. So when you go in here, you should go in prepared like Brad said, be able to acquire the target, be in good physical shape. What was your last one? You had one more. Well, Positive mental attitude. Positive mental the correct attitude. Correct mental attitude. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep, that be was physically, physically capable of what you're trying to do, or as close to it. I mean, at least put the effort in, and then uh, you know, be familiar with your firearm so, and quality and good with it. So the I, other thing I yeah. would say is have the gear that you need to produce said outcome. I mean, if you can't use shooting sticks, you know, get shooting sticks and learn how to use them. If you uh, you know have a bipod. Um, my, my number four, I had another one that says get your personality leveled off before you go in. If, if you're a hothead, level your personality. If, if you're a picky effer, um, get your personality. If, if you're traditionally bitch about everything, you know, the people in this camp are going to be no different than the – it's like the old saying goes, the guy said, I want to move out of this town. And the old boy said, why do you want to move out of this town? He said, the people here suck. He goes, I want to move to um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He goes, why do you want to move to Albuquerque? I heard the people were great. No, I lived in Albuquerque. They're the same as they are here. It's not the people. It's you, you dumbass. Um, and my suggestion to a lot of you would be to get your personality in check, positive mental attitude going in. You gotta carry a positive mental attitude. If you're not positive about it, you're gonna have so many. You're not there for the adventure. You're just there to collect. Go to a high fence camp, eat steak in a lodge at night, and go to a high fence camp. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. Just know that about yourself, though. You want to be a good guided hunter. Carry a good, positive, can-do, it will work out attitude. And don't get down. So preparing for that, like when you're going into a hunt, to, to have the best attitude when you begin, before the hunt, I mean, even before you leave, you've got to be thinking about a few things, don't you? I mean, I think the tendency would be for some, if I'm investing $8,000, by gosh, I better get something out of this. Or, you know, and then that's a bad attitude to have right there. 100%. I, I would say there's three things that you can control um, your attitude on. You can control your attitude about weather. If weather sucks and you're having bad weather, control your attitude. That was going to be my next one. Yep. Control your weather about, attitude about the weather. You, the, the, you, think, you think your guide and your outfitter wants to hunt and shit every day? No, no, no they don't want to hunt that way. They, they, they wish it was nice, too. If your mule goes upside down in the river, you don't want yeah. your mule to go upside down in the river. <laughs> okay. Nobody wanted the mule to go upside down. You just got to no. get... You got to get your packs out of right. <laughs> out of the panniers and start go to work. On and I'm a, so so he, he hypothetically inter- speaking, right? So so he makes <laughs> reference to that and, and is chuckling. But first morning of this hunt that we just got back on, um, we went and we took our horses and our mules and we were going in 20 miles into the back country, and we uh, stopped at the trailhead and had to cross a river. And the river had came up since the night before on the other trail we were on. And it went from clear white, gin clear trout fishing 
to Milk Chocolate Raging River, and it came up three feet. It looked like the Squintney in Alaska, which is a oh, glacial wow. river. <laughs> so, so now we go try to get across it. Well, the the mule goes completely under with our packs and everything in the panniered. Okay. Wow. Well, it's completely submerged. So we back out, find a different crossing, get across it, and we're, we go. We sit down at our first place at Glassing. Brad went back to check the panniards, and there's four inches of water. Well, our guide was excited about getting us something killed and getting to hunting, and he was already, in his mind, his brain was going, okay, I've wasted three hours. These guys are watching everything I'm doing. i got to start producing results. we got to get to hunting. we got to do this. Well, what his brain wasn't going was, first, we need to make sure we get these guys' equipment taken care of. So there's two logics here. You can't get pissed at him. Some guys are going to go, what the hell were you thinking? Lift our shit in four inches of water. This is all soaked now. Hey, come on. We're, we're, in, we're in the elements. We're all, yeah. we're all a part of this equation. So it's actually a perfect don't get upset about mistakes. Yeah, we just looked at it as a team. I said, hey, we need to, we need to get all this. Actually, everything. you didn't say that. You said, you know what? There's three inches in the bottom of these panniards. I think we should probably pull these out. I'm going to go ahead and start pulling this. Are you okay with it? So he said it politely and asked. He didn't tell him, hey, dumbass. Okay? So I don't mean to correct you, but yeah. you didn't say it that way. You had a better attitude, a better approach. And I would say that's the third thing is that you have to manage your approach when you're not happy. Because negative approaches are not going to create positive consequences for you. Yeah, none of us. I mean, there was, like on that instance, there was nothing to be unhappy about. It was what it was. It was a raging river. But if and you wouldn't have had a good approach, you hey, why are we letting this shit sit in these panniers? This isn't very smart. Yeah. Well, what would that have done for I, you? I wasn't, I, I wasn't super excited about uh, swimming across that river with my horse. <laughs> I would have been a little more assertive if, we, if, he wouldn't have, there. if he wouldn't have made the decision, too, to turn around. But, well, because but in, in, yeah. and in fairness, he th- and we're going there here, he didn't make that decision. Okay. The, the mule kind of did. The mule did, and I turned my horse, and I looked at you. I, I knew exactly what I said. I said, this party's stopping here. And we went back. I was like, "He, this is a cowboy, unbelievable with horses. Professional rodeo cowboy. So his skill set on a horse is yeah. higher than, than everybody than, he'll ever encounter on yeah, a Yeah, and I grew up on a horse farm. Yeah. You grew up around horses all yeah. your life, rode yeah. them up in the mountains. I would say we are advanced horsemen when we get into camp. We don't tell people that. I always tell them I need the gentlest horse, so don't say that on here. <laughs> yeah, right? well, I, I always wanna, tell them. I want, a good starting I, point I want anyway. a dead broke horse. <laughs> you know yeah. what I say? No, I, I, Lightning uh, is for Brian. Brian likes <laughs> the horse named Thunder or Lightning. No, I've already said, listen. Oh, clearly. <laughs> just ask Fredlin there. Yeah, F. Fredlin, exactly. Um, I always say I'm a, big, I'm a big soft guy, and I'm fragile and sensitive, so put me on the, the simplest horse. Yeah. But anyway, my point is we broke an arrow on that. We, yeah. we, we were already heading back. And he, he looked at us, and it made his job easy to go, well, we don't have to cross here then. But my point to this, we've di- di- digressed here. My point is your approach, you want to be a good guided hunter? Have a good approach when things aren't going right. Calculate your approach. Just go in with that right attitude. Hey, I've been told to shut the f up on a hunt before. Mm-hmm. That, m- I've been, my attitude because I was there, and my attitude wasn't as good at that point. Nope. <laughs> I've been told on a sixty-five thousand dollars hunt that I paid full pop for. I was told to shut the f up by the guide. I was told um, then the second time 
I said, shut the F up. And I and then I, I, I did speak out of turn and I didn't manage my approach back to him. I said, you shut the F up and listen to me. I'm on the animal. I never lost view of it. Oh, okay. I said, I need another call and I'll shoot him again. And then he gave me another call and I said, where did I miss? He said, you're still missing the same place. And I'm like, you're still giving me the same call. Maybe adjust your call. He didn't know how to even adjust his call. Now, he was said expert at this shit, and he didn't know nothing. No, we had it all on film. So guess what? When we went back, I would say I was at 10 or 11 on this level of positiveness when we walked in the back in the camp. Mm-hmm. Did you not? Yeah, you, you had a super you, – you did a good job. And um, I had to you manage had a that. super positive attitude. Because it was my 65000 bucks. It was my missed ram. Does that make sense? I squeezed yeah. the trigger, so I'd take responsibility oh, yeah. for the miss. Yeah. Then we went out to the range, and then we shot the r- rifle. And guess what? It was dead red yeah. on. Zero, dude. So now it's even worse because now I missed the shot. Now, could it have been the call? And the guy was wrong on his, uh, on his call. Yep, could have been the spotter's call. He told me not to listen to Brad. He said it on camera. He said, no, I need your ears on me, not Brad. Yeah, because I actually made the right call. I did call. Oh. But, yeah, I made oh. the right call. I told him, and then he, uh, he uh, superseded my directive. And I think this story is good because. That, yeah, that's, that, we're getting away from. No, yeah, I th- yeah. actually, I think but, it's good because here's why. We, w- the question that the, the person had was, how do you become a, be- a, a good guided hunter? And we stayed calm. Then afterwards, stayed calm, stayed positive. Stayed we positive. were in good shape, and you had your shooting skills dialed in. And, and, and still, things still didn't go perfectly. And they still didn't the go three perfectly. things that I said we had accomplished, and things still didn't go perfectly. Exactly. So mm. it could have created, a, and, and, and there was a, now a negative environment. And the other two guides that were with were disagreeing with the guy that told me to shut the up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So now That's we an go. Auto bleep bleep. So, yeah. so now we go back, okay, and we shoot the rifle. It's dead on. So now the guy even thinks worse because he's like, I'm totally right. So now he's going to lecture me, which now he engages me in a lecture about shooting. It wasn't really a lecture. He screamed at you. What? Yes. So now, mm-hmm. so now you ask how to be a better guided hunter. So every obstacle. Now, you wouldn't think you would do this to the guy who runs a booking agency, no, would you? I, no. To the two guys who run a booking agency, you would think you would be a little smarter than mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Guess who's never exactly yeah so i was gonna ask where where the moral of the story no so here's the moral of the story (laughs) we stayed positive the elements sucked the weather was terrible it was moon that we had a full moon every single night it was super hot the big rams super super bright nights they weren't out moving during the day the the big rams weren't showing themselves everybody was frustrated in camp except for us we stayed up. I, I got a little bit down you when did. I told you the joke about the, hey, have you ever heard about the gal? <laughs> and then on day nine, on extra days, I passed up a hundred. No, I passed up 165-inch ram, and Brad was like, Brian, oh. I th- even Brad was then questioning my sanity, and I was still positive. I was like, what, what did I say? This. I said, Brian, have you heard the one about the, the lady in the flood? 
and she passes up the canoe and yeah. then the yeah. motorboat and yep. then the helicopter and, yep. and God says was, was that ram you just your that? helicopter I said I sent you a boat I sent you a helicopter yeah exactly uh, who do you think answered those so anyway my, so did you harvest by the way so here's the deal home? on day nine I killed yeah. almost I killed just a scotch under a 180 inch ram nice and it was a giant ram and it was unbelievable and everybody had a great time we stayed positive um but but here's the reality um you're gonna have personality conflicts sometimes when you go into camps now the thing that saved us that levelized this a little bit was that brad was running the film so we went back after i got yelled at and we said we would like to sit down with you and have a conversation because we know a little bit about hunting too spending 120 days a year in the field and the next morning he said i'm not gonna be your guide the rest of the time <laughs> we're gonna have a different guy Ooh. And uh, you're going to go with these guys. Changing horses in the middle of the street. Anyway, then we ended up killing a big ram. But <laughs> the hunt was unbelievable. We extended the hunt. We went on a, some bird hunts. We did it great. My point is you want to be a better guided hunter. The three things you said, the three things I said, I think are quintessential to you having a good outcome. Because even when you, to what Brad just said, even when you can make the shot, physically get to the animal, and have great target acquisition because guess who you know that that smaller ram that they wanted me to shoot and they thought i was crazy because god kept sending the boat i sat down to put him in my shooting sticks when he was up on the rim rock <laughs> if that isn't a clue oh go ahead finish the story <laughs> so i sit down to do it and i rolled back to settle in to see if i could get a good rest not that i was going to shoot him but everybody's like get him in there and Cause, see because yes. you you said okay we're, we're this far into the hunt what do you think and he goes, you know, it's a really good ram. It wouldn't be bad to consider shooting him. But we'd just seen a giant. And he, this one was really good, but not a giant. So, so I settled in to consider shooting him. Didn't know if I was going to. And right when I rolled over to get settled in on my ass, jumping cactus. <gasps> okay, and here's how he handles it. Oh, I, th I think I know this hunt now. Yes, yes, you and, do. And Brian yes, says, I, I have a major problem. He doesn't <laughs> scream. He doesn't. But, I mean, he's got, he's I go, got a derriere of oh, loaded yeah. for bear, right? Yeah. Yep. And I go, I have a major problem. <laughs> and everybody's super empathetic because it's getting down on the wire, and they want me to kill a ram. And, and even the guy that shoot my ass is now like, what, what's going on? What can I help you with? Can you not get him in the site? I go, no, I got him in the scope. I can't shoot him. Why? I have a jumping cactus up my ass. <laughs> and I cannot sit here any longer to make this shot. I think we did talk about that on a previous podcast. Yeah. And, and I'm like, uh, anyway, nobody's pulling him out either. <laughs> so, so you're on your own. I was on my own. Anyway, but I think that that's imperative. I, th I think it's important to get toss, to that. Toss those players to Brian. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. A Leatherman can come in handy more ways than one. So I would say, you know, that, that makes you a better hunter, um, you know, a guided hunter, those things. Because these are things you don't have to deal with. I like what Brad said also about making the guy your buddy. You know what I'm saying? Hey, go in there and want to be a friend with that guide. You know, um, uh, ask not a babysitter. It's not a babysitter. It's not your teacher. But you can, you, I mean, I try to learn something every time I go in. I was going to say. But, I mean, that's not his job. His job is, uh, you know, but it kind of is, yeah. I, I, I have a three-step approach with guides, okay? And, and maybe I shouldn't even say this because then people like, because my wife says, Brian, you have, you have a, a what does she call it, um, a, uh, 
uh, I'll think of the word. But anyway, um, I have a three-step approach with a um, – uh, I'm trying to think of the word she uses. I have a three-step approach with the guides, okay? Number one is I want to get to know who they are. So I ask them about their family. I ask them questions. I basically steam them, right? I, I star them. Structure, technical, action, relationship. I want to know I want to know what makes them tick. Are they a relationship person? Are they an action-oriented person? Are they a technical person? Are they, a, a, you know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I use STAR. It's a program we use that learned in sales. I hit that immediately. So how many kids do you have? Are you the oldest? Are you the youngest? You know, um, you know what do you, what do you like best? Do you like, if, if, oh man, I love ballistics. I love the rifle. Okay, they're they're a technically driven guy. Okay, Brad's a technical driven guy. He knows every he knows the proper name for every component of the saddle. I've been in the saddle since I've been two years old, and I don't know what the ass part of the saddle is from the front part. I know what the horn is. Okay, you I know can call what the, it the ass part. I, I know what the cinch is. I know what the belly strap is. I know what a breast collar is. I know how to, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, and uh, um, I know where the withers are, but I, I'm just not a technical. You know where the cantle is. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't. Yes, I do actually. Oh, okay. Um, right. But I don't. I'm not a technically driven person. Right. But if they are, then, yep. I, then I'm going to engage them in conversation with that. Does that make sense? Totally. So that's number one. Number two, I, I want to find, find out what their strength is immediately. This guy that we were just with, his strength is livestock. His sty- strength is getting up the mountain and knowing how to get his horses in and out. And he knew the mountain and how to maneuver those horses through it. And he took great pride in that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find out what his strength was. His, you know his dad had taken him hunting his, his dad he grew up in a single parent household his dad was his um parent i mean he had a, obviously had a mom but he didn't live with her and didn't do much with her it doesn't sound like and they hunted they hunted in the back country they took their horses went back as a little kid um you know and his buddies talked about going in and helping outfitters and they'd pack uh would they pack something in he said 30 miles when they were one one brother was 10 and the other one was the first Seven. thing he, it's the first thing he told us when we started talking about it. no when I was 14 years old um, I remember my dad to just dropped me off on one side of the thoroughfare and told me to go on the other one I went over Deer's Pass uh, um, by myself with a string of six horses at 14 you wouldn't let a kid just cut the kid loose like that blah 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 what may, he is an accomp that's he, that's what he's wired to do he wants to go back in he wants to find and he, he you know that's what he's wired to do. So I'd find out that too. I want to know what makes him tick, what he what he likes to do, what his game is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Jeff Prawley, his his he wants he's technical man. He's he's a he's tinker a, guy. He's a technical a, a, a guy. Mechanical. Well, hey, well, he's built some swamp machines yeah, that are pretty cool. Well, exactly. And what bullet do you have? Mm-hmm. And and what what twist is that? And what's that scope? And what's that? And then and then let's talk about it. And here's why a seven mag sucks. <laughs> which he's, he's dead wrong about. He's absolutely yeah. wrong. Um, but, you know, he's got his, you know, um, so what makes him de- – and then the third thing is um, what compliments they enjoy. You know, I, I always try to find something to compliment them on, um, and that's just my approach to them. You know what I'm saying? And I found out it works well. You know, I don't have that many bad hunts. I have hunts that don't go always great. but Don't, don't go as planned. Like this, this, <laughs> this eco-tourism trip that we took this <laughs> – it's now an ecotourism trip uh, with with rifles and and shit to kill stuff, but we were on an ecotourism trip. Yeah, 
you know, that's, a, that's a positive but, way to but say But still, it. I had a super, we learned super things. fun time, and I just loved where we were at. I always wanted to be on that trail. I wanted to be on that trail for 20 years. And, hmm. I, and, well, I got and I'd heard about that legendary trail where it's so steep for a mile that you couldn't turn a horse around and go the other way. And if you got oh, caught, no. if you got There's caught, no turning the horse around. No, if you got caught coming one way, you couldn't go back the other way. I was like, and as my horse is literally slipping off of the corner turns and it's nothing but 300 feet of straight down and you're sitting six foot up on a horse, you're going, what the hell? My, so, my main saddle horse, his name was Patches. He's dead now. But that sucker would hug the outside <laughs> corner of a ledge. Wow. I'm like, dude, you got yeah. two feet on the inside. Well, let's take a step over. But he liked being on the outside, so you can check it out. Oh, Copper, he was the same way. I was like, oh, it's just like, just like Patches. <laughs> got to trust them. I think that they enjoyed doing that because my horse was the same way. I think, they, I think horses do that, a lot of them, because they're afraid of getting bumped by the side and lose footing. Does that make sense? They'd rather get, get, get throw your, throw your yep, balance off. They would well, rather see, be out there where they can control their balance and are not getting affected by um, and most uh, of these horses, most of these horses pack too. You start packing them, and so mm-hmm. they're used to that spatial awareness. And patches, I'd pack him when we shut, you know, and, and ride a smaller mm-hmm. horse too. So same, maybe same deal. That's yeah, a good perspective. I just think, uh, I, I just think from from you know. Those are some. This has been a pretty poignant podcast. I think these yeah. are some pretty good. Specifics. Yeah, just gonna like a quick review then. Yeah, know, go ahead. How please. to be a good guided hunter, or how to be a better guided hunter. So you've got use uh, your right proper resources. You mentioned Brian. Yep. Um, look at your physical readiness. Prepare yourself for the remoteness of the hunt. Um, Brad emphasizes having the right mental attitude for the hunt. Um, and then be ready physically, once again, important, and then practice, practice and get ready. And then I, I think you guys added a few things a little bit later. For example, keep in your personality level. Um, you can't control the weather, um, but you can control your attitude and manage your approach when things go wrong. Let the mistakes that happen, let them go. And even when everything goes right, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a positive outcome, but you got to let it go. And your guide is not a babysitter, but he's your buddy. Well, I think that's so uh, that's so right because here's the thing. Think of it this way, real quick, and then and then we can wrap this one up. Unless somebody else, Brad, you got something that you'd like to add? But I'm I'm thinking through what you just said. Okay, so let's paint this analogy. Brad's my guide, and I'm pissy with him. Okay. You left the things in the panniers. I got wet clothes now. Okay. Hey, the, the dinner sucked. Why wouldn't we bring something a little bit better? Um, well, you know, what's going on here, man? I paid for this, and immediately my attitude's like that at him. Okay? No problem. Well, you know what? He's in it with me for seven days. We got to get an elk. All right? What's, what's so, the deal where you usually say, so, why, why are you pushing on my hand? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause and effect. Right? In sales training, I always go to people, and I put my hand up. And the minute I put my hand in front of them, they put their hand up. And, like, I'm going to high-five them, and they push on my hand. And I go, did I ask you to do that? And they said, no. And I said, why would you do it? And they go, we, I said, because I caused the effect. I caused the effect. I put my hand up. You immediately – I've done it thousands of times – Tens of I've thousands seen, I've of people. I've seen it a bunch. And, and, and every time I do it, it happens the same. You're causing an effect. So it, good point. So now I'm causing this effect. 
Brad, I'm pissy with Brad. He's my guide. I'm acting like a jackass. Things aren't going good for me. Um, I'm not liking some of the details of it. Instead of letting it roll and just being a cool dude, I'm getting cranked up because I spent 7500 bucks on this. By the way, if you're going to spend $7,500 on selling something and you absolutely need a trophy to bring home with you, don't go on a free-range hunt. Don't go on a fair chase hunt. Go on a high fence hunt. Don't do it, okay? Because they, it's 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 fair chase. You're spending seventy five hundred bucks for the adventure, and a shot opportunity, okay? Now let's just roll through this a little bit more. I'm a dick, okay? I'm an absolute jack wagon to Brad. He's my guide, all right? Now. Brad gets me at the heat of the moment. He's got me a bull at 350 yards, biggest bull I've ever seen, screaming its ass off. It's running in and out of 14 different cows, okay, and there's two raghorns. And I'm trying to keep this thing going, and I'm from Pennsylvania or Indiana or Iowa or Minnesota, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm in the mountains. I'm huffing and puffing about 12,000 feet. My heart rate's up. I've never seen an animal with a rack that size. Brad's got me here, and I've been an asshole for five days. Karma's a bitch, mother trucker. Now I miss the shot, and I miss again. And he pulls his cows, rolls them up, and everything runs over the ridge. And you're sitting there, and you just missed your shot at 300, 410, and, uh, and 460, and you got no elk. And that outfitter is looking at you going, I just got a text from an outfitter while I was on the mountain going, I wish you or Brad was here to make this shot. I've got this guy on three animals, and he's missed all three times. We know him really well. He goes, he's missed all three times. Tomorrow we're taking your rifle, which is my rifle, his own rifle we give him, and he's not shooting his rifle. He's shooting my rifle. <laughs> and uh um and and he so Ooh, yeah. so this guy's been a pain same story it's painted out everywhere across the guides hate this now brad's my guide i've missed what's brad gonna say to me i've been a dick to him for five days and now well you know what's worse what do i say to brad now that i've been an asshole to him for five days well brad you put him on me and i'm kind of a dick and i've been a kind of a cantankerous ass in camp and uh i've complained just about everything but I guess you did your job, and I missed the shot, and this one's on me. And Brad's going to go, you know what? You're such a special snowflake. Let me give you a hug, and we'll go find you another bull. You know what Brad's going to do? Brad's going to ride you around on the top of that mountain for the next three days, waiting for you to get your ass out of there so he can get a different hunter with a better attitude that will okay. make the shot, he's going to take him back and kill that bull. Maybe I do like I did uh, the guys Ooh. that call in elk. That, that Inside baseball there, right? How's the story now? Does that make sense? Yeah. How how's like the story now? now? So that's what I would say, 100%. Oh. What do you think? Is that a good analogy? Good analogy. Yeah. And, and so you make your own thing. You cause your own effect, right? So I'd be careful. Well, Brad, do you have anything else no. on that? Golden rule, basically, <laughs> huh? Treat others like you want to be treated, right? Exactly. Hey, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for uh, uh, tuning in today. And as always, um, I just want to make sure that I follow up one more time before we wrap this up. Scott Palmer, you will be doing a podcast. So congratulations on getting on the podcast. Yeah, thanks and we for voluntolding. Yeah. We- volunteering <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Anyway, we appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button right now. Make sure you get on there. So, um, And if you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, go ahead. You'll find us at Rolling Bones 
um, on Facebook and Instagram, okay? Facebook and Instagram. Go ahead. Um, Facebook, if you follow Facebook, we download this every Thursday morning. And if you um, are on Book the Hunt, which is a fan page of ours, um, that will come up. All you got to do is click that on Book the Hunt fan page um, and uh, bookthehunt.com fan page. All you got to do is click it. It'll open up, and you can be listening to our podcast. We drop these every Thursday morning. If you're not a member, we would love to have you a part of our team and our community so we could build your own adventure and you can own your own adventure your way. We have uh, plenty of opportunities to help you, whether that be gear discounts for our memberships, um, the the help program, hunting expedition layaway plan. Some people go, man, I could never afford that. You can afford it. Start putting a couple hundred bucks a month away. We can set it up on an all-no payment plan, and you can track it on a dashboard that shows you how much you owe, what you've paid, and we can reserve your hunt as much as three to four years out with a lot of our um, outfitters. They are a big part of taking the average and ordinary on extraordinary opportunity hunts, and we want to work for you. That's what our membership does more than anything. We want you to own your own adventure. You own it, and uh, we'll help you own it. So appreciate you listening today. Until next time. Be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.